Well, last Sunday, we started off talking about um, some of the crazy celebrity stories of, of people who were thought to be dead who were actually not dead. Um, we talked about, so in 1969, there was a story that, uh, that Paul McCartney had died, um, but he had died years earlier, and uh, they had, he had been replaced with a lookalike, right? So there was all this conspiracy theory of this, this lookalike who had been in his place. And, and, of course, the record label is trying to refute this and say that, that no, that he has not been replaced. He is actually alive. And in 19, November 1969, Life magazine uh, came out with an article where they went to his home and photographed him and his family and said he is actually alive. Paul is still with us. Um, and so there is this strange story, and, and I've, I've been fascinated by it as I was digging around at this illustration, finding out more and more. You start, you start Googling around this, uh, this conspiracy theory, and there's all kinds of crazy stuff where people are comparing pictures and listening to songs backwards and all kinds of different things. But Paul is still with us, was the headline there. But on Friday, Friday before Easter, Jesus is very much dead. That, that he was on the cross and witnesses stood there and, and saw him on the cross. They saw him bow his head, his body go limp. They watched his body taken from the cross and taken to Joseph's tomb. They, they watched as he was wrapped and prepared for burial they watched the large stone being rolled shut. Jesus was dead. And so last Sunday, we celebrated that Friday is not the end of the story. That on Easter morning, Mary goes to the tomb and discovers that the tomb is empty. And she doesn't know what to make of this. She, she sees that the tomb is empty. And so she runs and goes and gets Peter and John and, and tells them that the tomb is empty. And so they, they run back to the tomb and, and they peer in and they see that it is empty. The body is gone. And, and they don't know what to make of this either. And so they return to the group of, of disciples and, and Mary returns to the tomb. And she's, she's weeping and she's unsure of, of how to interpret this situation and so she sees two angels and then she turns and then she sees jesus but it isn't until jesus calls her by name when she hears the voice of jesus that she recognizes that this is jesus jesus is alive and not only does he appear to Mary, but, but, she, but he gives Mary these instructions to go and tell the story. To go and share the story of the resurrection. That he is going back to the Father. To your Father. Going back to my God and your God. And so it's in this incredible moment that we see that our relationship with God is completely redefined. And our relationship with one another is redefined. There's a new relationship where God is our Father. A new relationship where He is our God. And there's a new intimacy with God. So Mary isn't just the first one to see Jesus alive. She becomes this witness of this profound truth about the significance of the resurrection. 
And with resurrection, we see that, that death has been defeated. But we also see that, that in Jesus' return to the Father, we have this new relationship that begins, a relationship that is spiritual rather than physical. And Mary goes to the disciples and announces, I have seen the Lord. And she tells them of this new reality. Mary tells the story of the resurrection. And so we're going to spend the next several weeks together going through stories of the resurrection. Stories about this new relationship with God and this new relationship with others. Through Christ, we are drawn closer to God. Through Christ, we are drawn closer to one another. We're closer because of Jesus. And so after Mary tells the story of the resurrection and what it means for their future, the disciples are gathered together. And so can you imagine this scene where, where they are, are gathered together and you know that, that Peter has seen the empty tomb and John has seen the empty tomb and Mary has said that she sees Jesus. And so they're gathered in this place. What is the conversation like? What is, what is the buzz in the room as they talk about, could it be? Is it? Is this true? Is Mary crazy? Does she speak the truth? What of this empty tomb? And so there's this buzz, this conversation going on. How are they processing this? And, and everybody is in different phases of understanding and belief. Of course, Mary has this full belief that Jesus is alive. Peter, we're not so sure about. John believes. The others are listening to these stories, wondering, but one emotion that they share is this sense of fear. Because as they're gathered together in this room, the doors are locked. And so we're going to read together in John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. And said, peace be with you. The doors are locked. And Jesus just comes on in. And in this moment, you can imagine the looks on their face. And he says, peace be with you. After he said this, he, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And so throughout the Gospel of John, we see that Jesus has been described as one who has been sent by God. And we see throughout the Gospel this, this evidence and witness that has been given to this truth. That he is sent by God. And now his work is nearly complete. He's come for this final thing. And there's this call to action that he gives the disciples. Jesus appears to the disciples and says, I am sending you. I'm sending you. Jesus had been God's representative in the world. And now his followers will take on that role. They will be the ones representing God. They will be the ones working in the world, witnessing to the reality of God 
and the truth of Jesus' words. They are telling his story and living out his story. For those who, who have looked into the tomb and believed, for those who have looked in the tomb and found life, there is a special mission for you. Verse 22 is this climax of the entire gospel of John, where, where Jesus breathes the Spirit on them, something that he had promised them. And now he breathes the Spirit on them. And this is the key to, to the new relationship, this new relationship with God that Jesus had described to Mary. These believers in the resurrection, they had become an empowered people, given the power of the Spirit. And now they're called into a mission, a mission that, that parallels the mission of Jesus. But there's one disciple that's not present for this moment. For whatever reason, Thomas finds himself not present at this monumental time. And so here is his story. My name is Thomas, and I struggle with doubt. I followed Jesus for years. From the very first day he called me, I saw things so amazing that defied explanation. I believed. But then things fell apart. I witnessed the betrayal that led to the cruel march to Calvary and his agonizing crucifixion. I survived, but everyone I knew scattered. My world collapsed. Then came news of the empty tomb, the very first Easter. But I resisted. The image of his broken, lifeless body was still burned into my memory. I experienced his death that I couldn't believe. Not until I see the scars with my own eyes and touch them with my own hands, I told the others. I wasn't ready to put my trust in something again. But Jesus came to me. He knew my doubts. He even named them. But he wasn't angry. He didn't rebuke me or dismiss me. He looked at me with those familiar eyes and offered me his scarred hands inside. In that moment, I experienced his resurrection and I believed. I know firsthand it's difficult to believe in what you can't see. And yet all around you are people whose lives and stories have scars that bear witness to the meaning of Easter. Yes, these people have been wounded, but they've experienced redemption and healing through Jesus. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection were meant to rescue the doubters, the debtors, and the broken. People like you and me. He met my doubts with grace and love, and he only asked one thing of me. Believe. And so the story of Doubting Thomas, as he's called, is this well-known story, because I think many of us can, can relate to it. It speaks to the human condition, this idea of doubt. And often we're fearful to even say that we doubt. 
We find ourselves in the face of confusion. We find ourselves in conflict. We, we find ourselves in a world that wants empir- empirical data that, that proves something and confirms something tangibly. We live in that world, and it's easy for doubt to become the norm. Do we really believe? When things fall apart, when things are uncertain, when things are unstable, do we doubt? Absolutely we doubt. Doubt can be a useful thing. It can be this opportunity to to prompt questions, to to explore further, to to lead to a deeper faith. When we doubt, we have to answer hard questions. And in, in the answering of those hard questions, we believe in ways that we were not able to believe before. But when doubt is left by itself, when doubt is alone and we just sit in that, it leads to this emptiness, it leads to a hopelessness. And so the disciples, minus Thomas, they had been hiding out in this house, and they had been full of fear. Thomas gets branded as the doubter, right? We know him as doubting Thomas, but they were all doubting. They were all in this process of of uncertainty. They all were equally guilty in in being, being doubtful of what they had heard Mary say. Did they believe her testimony? Or were they waiting for something else? It it isn't until they see Jesus come through those locked doors that they believe and understand what's going on. Thomas isn't any different from the others. He's just behind the others in assessing the situation. And when we find ourselves in moments of doubt, we are no different than them. Doubt is seen throughout the whole situation after Jesus' crucifixion in finding the empty tomb. What is going on here? What is happening? Doubt is throughout the story. And so let's read about Thomas, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Does that sound familiar? Mary said, we have seen the Lord, I have seen the Lord, and now they have seen the Lord, and they share this with Thomas, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Unless I have this physical evidence, this empirical proof, I won't believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them this time. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so we have this picture here. 
each character has had their moment of doubt. Mary sees the empty tomb and she is uncertain of what has happened. And then she believes. And the disciples hear the testimony of Mary. They doubt and then they see Jesus and they believe. And Thomas hears the testimony of the disciples and he doubts and he sees Jesus and believes. And we hear the testimony and the witness. Do we believe? When we read through this story in John chapter 20, there's, there's several things here that the disciples seem to forget. Things that, that reinforce their doubt, strengthen their doubt instead of their belief. And it's easy for us to forget these same things. When we find ourselves in, in places of doubt, when we find ourselves in places of uncertainty and instability, and we doubt, is Jesus really who he said he was? Is the tomb really empty? Is Jesus really alive? When we go through those moments, and we will go through those moments, when we're asking those questions, what is it that we are forgetting about what we believe? The first thing is that we forget the peace of Christ. Several times he comes in and says, peace be with you. And it's not just a greeting like, hey, what's up? How are you doing? He's saying, peace be with you. The peace of Christ be with you. It's repeated over and over multiple times, not just as a simple greeting. Peace, he said in chapter 14, verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you Give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. This is what he had promised in chapter 14. He had promised that his peace would be left with them. And we forget this promise of peace. We forget that, that Jesus gives us this peace. We look for peace in all different kinds of ways. We look for, for, secure, for peace in, in a security of wealth. We, we look for peace in a, a protection from enemies or a, a locking of a door or a closing of a gate or a building of a wall. We look for peace in all these different places. But the peace will not come from those things. The peace will not come from anything earthly or fleshly. Peace will come through Jesus Christ. And we're promised this peace. And so when we forget this, we become gripped by fear and doubt and uncertainty. We, we, we lose our sense of, of place and our sense of, 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 of identity. Because it is about the fear and doubt and not about the faith in the peace of Jesus resting on us. That we need to remember and not forget. We need to remember that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection made a new future for all of us. Made a new future possible. And it's a future that is ready for us to move into right now. Through faith. And so we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in, in, in anxiety we don't have to live in, under stress and uncertainty because we live under the peace of Christ. But another thing that we 
often forget is the presence of Christ. That we, we forget the peace, but we forget the presence. That in this moment, in verse 22, Jesus breathed the Spirit onto them. He, he gave them the Holy Spirit. The very presence was in their lives. And, and the Spirit would give them the power to do the even greater things that Jesus references in chapter 14. Provides comforts, provides an advocacy and a peace that, that enables them to carry out God's mission on the earth. He calls us into this responsibility. And he gives us the power to do it through the presence of the Spirit. And so when doubt fears in, creeps into our life, when fear creeps into our lives, we have to rely on the witness of the Spirit to remind us that our lives matter. Our lives matter, and they have a purpose in Christ. And so when we find ourselves in these places of fear, remember the presence that is promised to us. And then a third thing that we forget in these moments of doubt is the person of Christ. That Jesus is not a figment of the imagination. Jesus is not just a storybook character. Jesus is not just a theological concept or a religious practice. Jesus is a person. Jesus shows up to Thomas in person. Jesus shows up to the disciples in person. Jesus shows up to Mary in person, the person of Jesus. And he invites Thomas, who's doubtful, to touch his wounds. But Jesus is with us, and the person of Jesus is real. Thomas finally believed because he, he saw Jesus. Not just that one day, but on all the days that he had spent with Jesus. Following him. Learning from him. Being his disciple. He knew who Jesus was. The kind of man Jesus was. And he put his trust and his faith in the person of Christ. And so when Thomas confesses, my Lord and my God. He is not confessing into some theological thing. He is confessing the person of Jesus. And that is the foundation of our own faith. Do we believe that Jesus rose from the dead? The person that was dead is alive. Do we believe that? Faith is a willingness to, to build on that. Because we know because we know that he is alive, that the tomb is empty, and we believe. As we get to the last two, chapter, two, two verses of chapter 20, we see John starting to wrap up his story here. Wrap up his testimony. And, and, and many scholars think that these last two verses of chapter 20 really are the conclusion of John's gospel. And chapter 21 are stories that were added on later to, to, to complete some of the picture there. And so if we read chapter 20 verses, verses 30 and 31 as the conclusion of John's gospel, 
how does this connect to the story that we've just read? Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. Period. Is there any greater period than that? Any other statement that concludes anything like that? These are written that you may believe that Jesus, Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that by believing you may have new life in his And so will we doubt? Yes. Will there be times of uncertainty? Yes. Will there be times of crisis and difficulty? Will there be times where, where something shakes us to our core and we don't know if this thing is real anymore? Yes. We will find ourselves in those places. But we remember that the peace of Christ rests upon us. And we will not be gripped by fear. We remember that the presence of Christ is with us, which is empowering. We have a fuel source, a source of strength through the presence of Jesus and the person of Jesus very much was dead and is alive, risen from the tomb. And so our faith defines how we live out our lives in this world. We live under the promises and the empowering of God. We, we are part of this story. If it, is, it is this faith that gives us confidence. It's this faith that gives us hope to, to continue in any circumstance, to continue on our journey. We have a commitment to Christ despite what we experience in the world, despite what is uncertain around us. And so this belief leads to new life. And it leads to this closer relationship with God. This new God, this new relationship with God. That is full of life and peace. And as ones who claim this promise, we have a new relationship with one another where we often have to remind one another and encourage one another and walk with one another. When we find ourselves in places of doubt, don't be in that place alone. Because in that place of aloneness and isolation, doubt breeds fear. So that's why we live in community with one another. That's why we walk with one another in this. That through the resurrection of Jesus, we have this opportunity to tell one another the story. 
even if you've heard it before, even if you've heard it a hundred times, even if you've preached it, you need to be told that this is true, even when we forget. This is true. 